Here we are now, with another episode of the Andrew Lake Podcast. If you are a regular listener of the Andrew Lake Podcast, please share your favourite episode, as this will help me find my audience. It will help to find the people who are ready to hear what we are talking about here And today, I'd like to talk about another quick tip. Today is a quick tip episode. And it might turn out that it's actually not quite so quick, because there's a lot of depth to it. And I'd like to take my time in explaining some of the depths. And it really is simple. It is a quick tip. And I hope that the things that we explain in depth don't overwhelm too much or detract from the fact that it is very simple. And the quick tip is reduce your plastic usage. Don't consume so much plastic. And it's very simple. It's very easy. And immediately I can feel myself trying to make it complicated. There's a voice in my head that wants to ask questions and say, well, why reduce plastic? Is it for the environment? Is it for this or for that? How does it benefit me? How do I go about doing it? Where do I draw the line? Do I have to quit using plastic altogether? What are the troubles? What are the problems? What are the limitations? But this response... This desire to make it complex is exactly the insight of a quick tip. Now, all these quick tip episodes that I've been doing, there's been a few now, they're designed to be simple, they're designed to be practical. And that's why I tend to keep them short and I don't tend to try and explain the deep philosophical and metaphysical implications of them or even the psychological and the value spheres that are associated with them. We can do that in other conversations. We can talk about those things. But sometimes you just need something simple. And this is simple. Reduce your plastic usage. Don't use so much plastic. Don't consume so much plastic. And that means when you go to the shops to buy something, Notice whether it's packaged in plastic. When you go to buy something, notice if that thing is made out of plastic and ask yourself how long is that product going to serve you. And if you are using things that are made out of plastic, notice, well, how long have you had that thing? Have you had it your entire life? Is it going to last for the rest of your life? And just start to become aware of, well, just exactly how it is that you relate to the items in your world. In a very real and immediate sense, we're talking about the front line 
We're talking about the personal. This is, this is exactly where the personal meets the impersonal. Now, there are a few quick examples that I'll give, and these are practical ways that you can go about reducing your, pra- your plastic usage. And these are things that I've been doing. And reducing it is different to cutting it out altogether. And we're going to talk about how the extreme amount or the, the extreme approach of this attitude can play into our worldview and how it can actually go wrong. But what we're advocating here is just simple steps, easy steps. And these are the things that I do. So your water bottle. So when you drink water, you drink it out of a water bottle. So instead of buying a plastic water bottle or disposable water bottles where you just drink it and then you throw it out and then you buy a new bot, bot, buying bottled water, you might need to do that depending on where you are to get depending on which country you're in to get fresh water. But instead of doing that, you buy a bottle which you can refill. Now, of course, the complexity is how do you refill it? Is there fresh water somewhere? But if you're in a country where you do have fresh water, well, just drink tap water. Or buy cast water. Cask water. So that's something I've been doing. And then you can actually, you can still use a disposable water bottle, but fill it up again and again. Use it multiple times instead of just once. And that's one easy way you can reduce your plastic consumption. Then there is also shopping bags. So I've done quite good with this because I went out and bought a $5 shopping bag. And that's pretty expensive for a shopping bag because in Australia, what's happened is they've outlawed the use of disposable plastic bags for shopping. So it used to be that you'd get given a plastic bag and they were sort of these flimsy little things that you would only use once. And as a kid, I remember we used to have a whole massive collection of them under the kitchen sink. And if you ever needed a plastic bag, well, you could go to the kitchen sink and pull out one from the the huge pile of them. But that's been outlawed. And now, well, the shopping market, the, the shopping centers have started selling them to you. So you could buy a plastic bag, which is a little bit better than a disposable one, but you could buy it for 15 cents. So instead of giving them, they're selling them. It's pretty much just the same thing, really. But then there's the next level up, which is instead of a plastic bag, you get a canvas bag. And usually they cost around $1. So if you want to use bags over and over again, and you're always going to the shops, then buy canvas bags. And there's a great Tim Minchin song about taking your canvas bags to the supermarkets. And in fact, actually, I think his song had something to do with the changing legislation of plastic bag usage in Australia. So I highly recommend that song. And Tim Minchin, he's he's very funny, very entertaining. So if you're not familiar with his work, then jump on and have a giggle. But I went all out and I got the $5 bag because I said to myself, okay, I really want to go to, go through with this and I really want to make sure that I always bring my canvas bag to the shopping market. So 
I'm going to buy a really expensive one and that will be my incentive because it will be like, okay, I have to use it because I've spent all this money on it and it's a really good bag so I always want to remember it. And it's a pretty good bag. It's got like stitches, it's got a thick handle, it's got a big watermelon pitcher on the side of it. I probably look quite silly when I'm walking around with it because I always take, I also take it to the beach with me. <laughs> it's become a bit of my, it's kind of become a bit of my sort of hobby bag. So not just for shopping, but also for going to the beach. And I'm sure I do look a bit funny, but that's been really good because now I don't use any plastic for shopping. And that's been a big step. That's been something little, something easy, which is very good to reduce plastic usage. The other thing I do when shopping is instead of putting them into the disposable bags, the veggies, I just put the veggies straight into the the basket. Now, you might be, depending on which country you're in, you might not have a choice in that. But it's for easy enough just to say, well, okay, I'm buying some onions or I'm buying some capsicum or I'm buying some carrots, or I'm buying some veggies of whatever sort, instead of putting them in a bag, I just put them all together. Now, of course, I'm just buying for one, so if you're buying for more, it might be a bit more difficult, but that's just another easy step. And then there's also just looking at the products that you buy. Now, I mentioned before about the, the ear cleaners. Now, there are ear cleaners that come in certain amounts of plastic, so certain products are still having a plastic component to them, but they have a less of an amount. So if you can be aware of that and you say, well, I still need ear cleaners, so I still have to buy ear cleaners. So you can buy the ones with the recycled stem and it might still come in a plastic container, but it will be less mass to that container. So be aware of that and... Just look around for that. And of course, it's hard because so many products are in plastic. Like plastic is everywhere. Plastic is all throughout. It's just in every product, it seems like at times. But you can start to be aware of it. And the feeling of, oh, it's impossible to do this. It's so hard to do this. Well, that's part of taking this small step. And that'll be part of That'll be something that we talk more about as we go on, of how this activity of reducing your plastic fits in with a bigger worldview. Then there's also the honey jars that you can get. So some places sell honey in glass rather than plastic. And then you've also got other bags that you might have. And then there's also the things in your bathroom, which are like your toothbrush or your shaving gear or the things that your shampoo comes in or that your soap comes in. And some products come with, well, again, like the ear cleaners, a large portion of plastic to them and others don't. And think about just something as simple as the toothbrush. How often do you change your toothbrush? How frequently do you go through toothbrushes? Now, I'm a bit of a cheapskate. 
and I try and get as much as I can out of each toothbrush. And there have been times when I've had the wooden toothbrush. And that's been much better for the environment. The wooden, the wooden toothbrush is much better for the environment. But of course, they are more expensive and they're harder to come by. They're much more rare. But there, within that, there's, there's at least something. There's at least something to be aware of. There's something to start working with. There's something to be more conscious of. So just ask yourself and notice how often do you change your toothbrush because that adds up over a lifetime and it adds up over all the people that we have here on planet Earth. Now I can't really I can't really say all this without addressing how it fits in with the world view like this like most quick tip sort of self-help, sort of little quick quick fixes there. They're sort of personal, they're immediate, and they're simple. It's like A plus B equals C. But with reduced plastic, it's sort of like, well, we, we have to address the green meme. and You have to be aware of the green meme. And this is something you should be aware of anyway. And this is something that's prevalent in this day and age, and so many people get confused by it, and it is something that needs to be understood clearly. So, essentially, the green meme is the person who cares for the environment. The green meme is the one who is open to other worldviews, or at least starting to be open to other worldviews. And the green meme is this person who is starting to be aware of the, the global community. They're starting to be ethnocentric and world-centric rather than just egocentric. Now, there are a lot of pathologies in the green meme. There's a lot of outrage in the green meme. There's a lot of disgust in the green meme. There's a lot of oppression in the green meme. And it's actually a higher level oppression than, for example, the oppression of a patriarchy or a dogma or a belief system. Because it's an oppression which says, ah, I have a higher authority, which is mother nature. So the green meme is all about animal rights the green meme is about a higher morality and is in many ways, sometimes, well, in many pathological versions of it, it's a staunch morality. It's almost like that funny thing, like there's this cartoon where there was sort of this cultural trend for a moment there, back, at, back some time ago, where we were talking about microaggressions. And there was this funny cartoon where the cartoon character would come up and say, Hey, was that a microaggression? Oh, ah, microaggression. Like this. And, and the irony there was, well, the, micro, the, the aggression against the microaggression was more than the microaggression. And, and this is just outrage culture. 
Is that was a very funny illustration or a very funny cultural commentary on outrage culture and well this is related to the green meme and it's related in the sense that it's closed and it's taking one part of a perspective and trying to put it onto all other worldviews so that's a bit about the green meme and it's a complex value structure and if you look at someone who is, well, it's, it's hard to put someone exactly into the green meme sort of profile because it's quite a broad, it's quite a broad profile. Like it could be, you could be vegans, it could be the environmental activists, it could be the people who do protesting, it could be the people who make speeches for the environment. It's the lobbyists against the government. Now, in Australia, we have a political party called the Greens. And that essentially is, well, it's the Green meme. The Green meme, the Green political party is the Green meme. And yet, on a personal level, on an individual level, the Green meme can manifest in all sorts of behaviors and beliefs such as veganism and staunch environmentalism and moral high horse. So what we do, what what do we do with the green meme? Well, we do with the green meme what we do with all world perspectives is we comparatively understand them We fit them in with a broader perspective. We understand their pathologies and we understand their strengths, adopt their strengths, and with maturity, learn how to navigate them. So it's not a matter of, is the green meme right or wrong? It's a matter of, well, how does it manifest itself in a positive way? And how does it manifest itself in a negative way? And this comes back to, well, something as simple and as mundane as when you decide to buy a new toothbrush or what you take your shopping in the supermarket to and from in, what sort of bag. So... To get back down to earth for a little bit, these little things, these simple steps, well, they're non-exhaustive. Which means you have to draw the line somewhere. And you also have to be aware of the holier-than-thou feeling of, oh, I feel. So you can get a sense of this when you, you buy the environmentally friendly product and you say, ah, I am a good person. Ah, it feels so good to do this. So when I'm saying, you can get a sense of this when I was saying, ah, I got a canvas bag, shopping bag, and I use that, and ah, I feel really good. So you need something in you that says, yes, it's good to feel good about bringing your canvas bag, but you also need the other thing in you that says, 
hang on a second, you're not quite so hot. Because you're not saving the world. You've still got all these other things that you're not perfect in. And you're, you're really only making a small difference. And you need to balance those two. The complexity is in knowing how those two sides within you work together. Because if you have one and you say, okay, I'm a really good person and aren't I great for saving the world because I brought my canvas bag? Well, that's a, that's a trail into the moral high ground, which is destructive. Moral high horse. And if you have the other side, which is, hang on, you're not so great because you're not really doing that much and you've also got all these other bad things that you do and you only have that, well, then eventually you just say, oh, to hell with it, I'm just going to buy a plastic bag. I'm just going to buy old plastic products. doesn't matter. So understand those two sides within you. And they are both within you. You have them both. It's just a matter of which one is more dominant and which one is less. Because the entire spectrum of value spheres is already within you. It's just a matter of where you are as to how much one comes forward and at what time. So the other thing is, well, the emotional propellant. Now, guilt is a big one. And guilt comes from a hangover of earlier value spheres, earlier value structures, earlier experiences in life. An earlier time in your life when you believe something else. So guilt at the green meme level, at the pluralistic level, at the world-centric level, actually comes from the traditional value level. So that would be the religious beliefs of, oh, obey God, obey the rules. Do as you're told. Be a good student. Be a good son. Be a good daughter. Be a good study. And these sorts of things. So however strong your experiences of the religious and conservative values time of life was for you, well, that's going to come back in the pluralistic meme. It's going to come back in the green meme, which is later on. And that will mean that, well, you'll feel guilty. You'll say, oh, I really have to do something about my plastic consumption because my environment is getting messed up and my kids and their kids are going to be living in a world which is terrible. And it really is easy. If, you, if you've gone anywhere, if you've gone even a few steps down that line of thinking, you can see how easy it is. And if you're a true green meme, if you're truly pluralistic, then you're actually aware of that guilt. Because there's so much to be guilty about. There's so much that's going wrong. And you have to be aware of it. And you feel it. It's, it's emotional. It might make you cry. It makes you teary. You can feel a sensation in your body. You might, you might have sweaty hands. You might sort of frown your eyes. You sort of squint your eyes. 
your voice will go a bit croaky. And you'll say, my goodness, this world is going into such a terrible place. And there's so much evidence for that. You don't have to go far to see that, well, plastic is ruining the environment. We have no way of disposing of this plastic fast enough that it can be reassimilated into a balanced and holistic nature. If you haven't trodden down that line of thought, well, I recommend that there's some value in that. There is some value in doing it, and there's some value in doing it consciously, because usually people stumble upon these these things, these value spheres, without really knowing about it. They might think, oh, all of a sudden, you know, oh, I've seen this documentary on the internet, and it really moved me, or I've started thinking about something, or I heard someone talking on the internet about the environment, or plastic, or whatever, and then it starts to stir in you. It starts to build the emotion. And if you do that and you're just sort of sucked into it, well, then you find yourself in the green meme without knowing about it. You don't realize what you're in. Now, if you haven't reached that point and you're listening to this, you still need to go into it. You still need to live that. You still need to be aware of it. You still need to experience it because that is an important part of your experiential composition. It's an important part of your next movement through the value structures. So whether you have experienced the guilt of this world going to hell or not, you have to experience it. And if you have experienced it, then it's time to reshape those feelings into a larger context with a more mature psychology And if you haven't experienced those feelings, well, you can go into them consciously. And the way you do that is you say, okay, I'm going to find out just exactly how bad this world is, how much is wrong with the environment, and I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to feel as guilty and as bad and as negative as I can consciously until it makes me cry. It should make you cry. You should be sobbing because of how terrible the things are that humans have done to the environment. And then come out of it and then reshape it into a deeper perspective, a broader perspective, and hold those feelings Hold the experience of that guilt as something small within a larger collection of experiences. Now, there is also something that comes up in the green meme, which is prothelitization or evangelism. So just like guilt is in the traditional value spheres and comes back in the green meme or the pluralistic sphere, Well, you also have evangelism come back. So evangelism is the spreading of the word of God, the spreading of the rules, the spreading of religion. 
And then, well, that comes back in the pluralistic meme, which is, ah, activism. We all we need to get everyone there. We need to get everyone to... Now everyone should stop using toothbrushes. We should all have wooden toothbrushes. Come on, everyone do it. Yes, come on. And there's a judgment there. Oh, you still use plastic toothbrushes. What is wrong with you? Can't you, don't you know how terrible the environment is because of plastic? How can you do that? It's trying to inflict the guilt through judgment onto others by way of prothelitization of a value structure. So be aware of that. You, you, You can see that that's a trap, right? You can see that that's, that's being arrested by the value sphere and not holding it within a broader perspective, broader perspective. So yes, be aware of others and say what you feel, but well, navigating I think I think at this stage we need to say the trick is to know how value spheres and beliefs propagate between human beings and more close to home how they propagate from you so if you if you hold a worldview and you're trying to get others to come across to your side then you're wrong and it's not that you're wrong because the beliefs are wrong or the worldview is wrong it's wrong in the sense that it needs to take on more complexity and more of an understanding needs to happen. So it doesn't mean you're doing away with those beliefs. It means that you're complexifying them. And the other thing that comes up with this and another way of looking at all this is the, well, we call it the save the world complex. So when someone has a, we're going to save the world complex, well, well, we call it, the reason we call it a complex is because it's complex. <laughs> There's a lot to it. And just like how the propagation of values and beliefs occur across multiple perspectives, well, the save the world complex is also through all perspectives. So... For example, the traditional dogmatic religious beliefs of save the world is, well, Jesus is going to save the world. Or Muhammad is going to save the world. Or the Buddha is going to save the world. And it's our religion that needs to be adhered to that will save the world. And in the rationalist scientific paradigm, or belief structure, well, it's industry that's going to save the world. It's enterprise. It's technology. We're going to invent incredible things that will take care of us and take us all out of our discomfort. And in the green meme, in the pluralistic worldview, well, there's the save the world complex, which is that we all need to feel more. We all need to be sensitive to the harm that we are doing to the environment, if we could only feel the emotions of the pain of Mother Nature, then we would stop doing that. So the thing that's making us buy the plastic toothbrush instead of the 
wooden toothbrush is, well, that we can't feel the emotion. We should be able to sit there at the supermarket in front of the plastics with, with the plastic toothbrush and the wooden toothbrush and actually feel sad or feel, feel something that would not make us buy the plastic toothbrush. And that's how we save the world. And the pluralistic meme, well, they have activism. So that's them trying to get people to feel more, able to see their worldview more, and that's the save the world complex. Now, you notice this is all, this is all comparative perspectives. We're comparing different perspectives. And if you're saying, well, which one is it? Which one is right? The answer is they're all right. Because a deeper perspective is to get these different paradigms working together harmoniously. And the only way you can do that is to balance them together. So the save the world complex through all the levels of traditional and rational scientific and pluralistic, it's, it's a closed perspective for each of those three paradigms. And you want to have an open perspective, just, just in the same way that you have a closed mind. So you know what a closed mind is. It's easy enough to understand is you, you, sit, you sit, essentially have a, a collection of words or a dialogue which is on repeat. It's the same, and, and that can be very vast. It might be very big. Say, say, say you got a, you say you've read a thousand books. Well, those you can still be closed-minded because you still have those thousand books or a thousand ideas on repeat. And what happens is, well, when a new idea comes in, you then explain away that new idea because, well, you're just stuck. You're closed-minded. Now, the same thing happens with the perspective. The same thing happens with paradigms. And when you have a closed paradigm or a closed perspective, well, that means that you're going to the supermarket, you're seeing your plastic product, and you feel the same thing every time. Or you think the same thing every time. Or you're telling yourself the thing about, oh, yes, I need to buy a plastic product which is friendly for the environment. I need to reduce my plastic and, and that in itself is on repeat. And that you don't want. So don't have a closed perspective. <laughs> and yet understand that it is important to reduce your plastic. This is the game. If you can get this, you can really start to get a sense of the game of your inner beliefs and your structures and your experiences and how dynamic they can be. And in fact, that's part of the it's part of the trick of a quick tip. Like reduce plastic. If all I'm really doing is throwing a tiny little spanner in. Because if you really go to if you really go deep with this one thing, oh let me just reduce a little bit of my plastic. And you and you're really honestly and you're sincerely taking it on and you're actually saying, okay, Dosta, I'm really hearing you. I'm really going to try this. I'm sincere. I'm going to inquire. I'm going to watch my responses. 
I'm going to watch my points of contact. You, you know, you really, you have to be sincere about it. You have to go into it. Then what will happen is your perspective will start to open. Your beliefs will start to open. The things that are within you will start to, well, you've got a spanner in the works. So you've got this big mind of a thousand books and it's this big machine which is on repeat over and over again. And you throw this one little spanner in which is reduce your plastic usage and then something goes wrong in the machine and it's something small. It's not going to disrupt the whole thing. But that's the point of a quick tip. You can start to see if you can follow these perspectives and these comparative paradigms that we're talking about, how deep it goes. So to get back on the save the world complex, well, it can cause harm actually as well. That's another thing about the save the world complex is you go out and uh, that's sort of like the old saying for starting a war for peace is like fucking for virginity or something like that. How does it go? How does that saying go? Fighting for peace is like fucking for virginity. And there isn't an an element in that to the to the pluralistic meme. Now, another thing is that one of the answers to the save the world complex and this is something that comes back to, well, something a bit more practical or a bit more personal. And it's something that, it's a bit of a cliche, but there's a lot of depth to it, if you really do take it on. And the thing is that to save the world, you really just have to save yourself. And if you can see how your actions are poised between your beliefs and your culture and your values and your environment, then you start to see how things are connected. And I don't mean you see how things are connected in sort of the Gaia paradigm. This is not a new age paradigm. No, I mean experientially and personally. Usually when you hear someone say, you see things how you see how things are connected, what they're really saying is, oh, I have this big vision of Mother Nature and the environment and how we're all related and peace and love on earth. Ah, that's the new age paradigm. But what I mean by it here is experientially, personally, what is happening for you. Which means that when you're standing in the supermarket and you see the toothbrush, which is plastic and wooden, you remember. You say, ah, right here, right now, this is the front line. And I'm seeing that, well, how do I feel? What is my response to this choice? What am I saying to myself about this 
choice that I've made. And it goes on after when you go to the checkout, you put the thing into your canvas bag and you walk out to, out of a supermarket. And then you might still be thinking, oh, what about this choice? What is happening? What is happening in me? What, is the, what are the words that I'm telling to myself? What are the, what's the feeling inside my body? Is there a bit of a spring in my step or is there something else? And really, you do have to let that go in order to see the larger context. You have to let that go in order to start to have an idea of how to save yourself. Because normally, we're sitting within that complex and we're not doing anything to help ourselves because we're unaware of it. Normally, we're just trying to do the best that, we've, that we can. And I can understand that. I can understand that. I mean, it's, it, it's such a... Like, to really say, oh, you need to save the world. I mean, you would never ask that of anyone. Whose job is it to save the world? And even to say, look, you need to save yourself. Well, that's a big ask too. Because we do need to help each other. And we are poised within our complexes. We are struggling. We have, you know, we have feelings. We have problems. We have anxieties. We have worries. You know, some, for some people, just getting out of bed is tough. And it's understandable that it's tough. So to save yourself, well... It might be that you say, Dost, I'm doing the best that I can. And I'm doing the best that I can too. And of course, I don't put myself on the moral high ground. You know, these little things of the canvas bag and the ear cleaners, these are just tiny things. I still use plastic. I still buy products that come in plastic. So I'm, I'm by no means any good at this. I'm by no means the standard by which we should measure ourselves. And the, and the reason is, well, because I'm poised within my own complexes. I have my own hang-ups, my own worries, my own desires, my own limitations of personality and of resource. And that's why, well, we take a look around and we see how complex things are and how we're all sort of a bit hurt and a bit struggling at times. And we say, well, here's a quick tip. Here's something simple. And you don't have to overthink it. You don't have to contemplate how it fits in with the pluralistic meme or comparative paradigms. You don't really need any of that. You can just say, okay, what's something simple that I can do? Something easy. And one of those things could be, well, reduce your plastic usage. And that's all I have to say for now.